Welcome to episode six of Bottle Spark Ignite, the podcast that explores the influencer marketing industry top to bottom. We interview people from every aspect of the industry so you can get insights into how all this works. It is September 26th. I am Amanda, the moderator, and with me tonight, as always, are JT and Travis. How are you two doing this evening? I'm doing fantastic, uh, and JT's doing lower resolution than I am. What, uh, what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> means your webcam looks like crap, and mine looks pretty, pretty nice. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing doing pretty well. It's been a nice, uh, nice week so far. Exciting things happening, etc. Let me let me paint the picture here. Okay, I'm traveling, doing business things, and uh, I am on a mobile webcam slash headphones as opposed to my normal streaming setup. Uh, I am otherwise uh, doing great. Uh, I've got a, a, a loaded week in front of me, lots of fun stuff going on uh, for Bottle Spark. Someday maybe we'll let people know. Um, <laughs> but I'm also uh, super jazzed about all of the cool new stuff that we're firing off uh, this week and some of last week, uh, which is awesome. Travis will talk about that more in a second. Spoiler but yeah, I'm alert. Good. Yeah, spoiler alerts. Amanda, we I, I just realized we're bad. How are you doing? I don't think we've ever... <laughs> Ask that on the podcast, unfortunately. We ask that daily. Leave us alone. You do ask that daily. You guys do. You check up really good. No, I am good. I am good. It's been a very busy week. I am anxiously looking forward to October. I love it. But uh, other than that, just plowing ahead. And we have some. I'm excited for the news you're going to announce because Twitch had some great changes today. Okay. For, for God's sake, fine. We will go ahead and do the segue. Uh, so as she said, we'll talk about Twitch a little bit first. If you didn't hear, uh, hear on Twitch... Today, two big changes on the site. First off, uh, IRL, F in chat, please, because it is no more. The IRL directory goes away as of today. It is now split into multiple different categories, uh, which I am going to actually name off real quick because you should know them. Uh, just chatting, which is basically like the just talking to your viewers. Uh, always on, which is for branded 24-7 marathons. Uh, talk shows and podcasts. Hi, we're here. Um, music and performance arts, ASMR, art, travel and outdoors, beauty and body art, makers and crafting, food and drink, science technology, sports and fitness, programming, and special events. So the IRL channel, as we know it, is uh, is ripped. Um, so say goodbye to that. All those other channels now exist. In addition, they introduced the tag systems and also FN chat to communities. That service is no longer there. It's been replaced by the tags, uh, which you can see, I think, below the stream is where they're at. Uh, so basically, instead of having like three communities you could do, you could have a bunch of different tags. Some of them are automatically applied based on the game that you're playing or the directory that you're in. Uh, like this one has IRL um, on it automatically. Uh, and then some of them are self uh, put on there. So if you are a streamer, you go into the dashboard where the communities were, you'll now see the tags. You can scroll through, although it only scrolls through the G's for some reason, but you can manually type in if you have the list. Uh, and then you'll be able to get all of the different tags to tag yourself accordingly. Every directory now as a viewer is you can go and apply tags. So if you only want to watch, for example, speedrunners doing any percent, you can just check out the any percent speedrunners, etc. So very cool. Uh, it should be interesting to see how this is going to affect discoverability. Do either of you two have a guess uh, as to what that might be? Anything? Like how... how like if it's going to be good or bad for discoverability. I, th uh, I, I think it'll be more organized. I, I don't know what, like... I don't know if discoverability is the, the word that I would 
jump on there because right. So if you're doing like a talk show or something, or you're doing something in IRL and you have a ton of viewers, you're going to you're going to go to the top, right? Which increases like your generic discoverability. I think the relevance of the people watching and searching is going to go way up, but I'm not in, entirely certain how I feel about that. Also didn't know ASMR was the tag. Uh, I'm happy and horrified that they did that. Um, so I don't know. That's kind of my feeling. I don't know how you feel, Amanda. I think I'm a little concerned and maybe it's just my group of people, um, that people are going to just load up on tags, not really knowing if it fits hundred percent. And then after a while, we'll start to see those tags really matching what people are doing. Like, um, like I'd play world of Warcraft, so I don't know what all the tags are, but I can see, um, people putting tags like gaming and lore and all this stuff that I might not be talking about lore, but the game does have lore. Um, so we'll see. I think there's going to be some misuse and then eventually it'll start to be used what the intent was for. I don't know if it's going to be more discoverable. I don't really search for tags. I kind of know who I want to watch, but that's just me. I'm cautiously optimistic because we saw what communities did. Like, arguably, this is kind of the same as communities. Kind of. I'm, I'm not saying it is the same thing. And communities didn't really do anything, which is why they, they you know, scuttled it. Um, I don't know, though. Uh, I think that uh, I, I'm... I'm optimistic and very skeptical all at the same time. <laughs> Combination of both. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep you posted if we see any trends there. Uh, now, speaking less about Twitch and more about us in general. Uh, so here in the Bottle Spark world, uh, very excited. We have two campaigns that are, are launched slash launching now. So wink.com, you might see some Twitch streamers throughout the Twitch world uh, that are doing unboxings and wine tastings with Wink. Those are finally going out there, which is really cool. Very excited. My box gets here tomorrow. Very excited, personally. Uh, and then we also are going to be starting to send out uh, offers uh, emails. So check your inboxes here in the next few days for Beard.com. If you sign up for the Beard.com promotion, uh, those are going to be start to going out, getting you some things potentially shipped to you, some Beard stuff. So get excited for that. That's happening soon. Um, very stoked on that. Um uh, also, I want to go ahead and manage, uh, uh, mention, and we failed to make a command again for IP Vanish. Uh, so, if you're interested in potentially working um, with a, uh, a VPN, virtual private network, for security, privacy, etc., type things, uh, we're going to be getting some interest together for that. Uh, you can go to bottlespark.com/survey/ipvanish if you want to get a little bit more information and sign up to get uh, actual more information once the uh, campaign starts. So look forward to that. And that is it for the news. Can I drop one little additional thing on there? Um, for anybody out there no. in <laughs> your app, anybody out there in Chatland that uh, is on Wink or just listening to the podcast, remember that we have a clip contest going and there aren't a ton of entries and there's some pretty awesome prize money for it. So make sure you submit clips to us of yourselves doing that kind of stuff i don't remember do you remember if we had one for beard.com uh i'm not 100 percent sure so i don't want to say yeah bigger bigger psa look at the terms and the offers and see if there's a clip contest and you should be submitting those because it's like easy peasy money that's it that's all for me cool 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 all right amanda pick us up 
All right. Well, tonight we are joined by Nicholas Zorko, lead coder and social media head of the upcoming game Dead Matter, streamer and senior partnership. Oh, we're going to leave it right there. Upcoming game Dead Matter. How are you tonight? Uh, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm lovely. I think that Travis is going to kick us off. He has some very exciting questions for you tonight. Yeah, so we should we should first off, uh, thank you so much for being on here. Uh, real quick, just need to uh, to say, uh, we're, we're going to be calling him also Johnny, because on Twitter you can follow uh, Nick and probably, I guess, some, some game progress at Twitch, or uh, tw- Jesus, twitter.com slash Johnny Guitar Dev. So that's exactly where I want to start. Your name is Nicholas. You're Johnny Guitar Dev. Please explain. Um, I, uh, I played a lot of Fallout New Vegas. I have about 600 hours on the game and, uh, 20 minutes into playing it, I gave myself that stupid name and it really just stuck for the longest time. So (laughs) that's what I've been using for the last few years. And, um, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's pretty much the most lame story that you could think of for, uh, why I picked my new username, but (laughs) It's, it's one that I've heard a lot, which is just like, I don't know, I've been using it for a while, shut up, um, <laughs> which kind of works. So uh, first off, let's go ahead and talk about uh, what I think people are starting to really uh, learn about you from, which is Dead Matter. Give us the elevator pitch. What's the game? When's it coming out? Give us that basic information right at the top to get people interested in that because it looks dope. Well, Dead Matter is a open world um, survival uh, roguelite, and that means that there are multiple roles to play, there are multiple solutions to the problems that you will face, and there are a lot of zombies that want to kill you as well. So the uh, goal of the game really is to survive for as long as possible, and um, it's basically about the path that you take to survive for the longest period of time that pretty much defines the core gameplay right there <laughs> okay so i'm i'm really interested here because uh, i've played like a seven days to die and similar kind of things which is what like okay you kind of think that but then you say roguelite which is real yeah. different so how how did you combine those two very different yeah. elements well there's uh there's a character creation system that we have so you'll actually have to be putting points into certain different uh categories in order to uh maximize your effectiveness with let's say uh guns in the uh, game world so if your weapon handling skill is very low um your character will have issues with uh, stability and uh, essentially things like fully automatic fire are much less viable for characters that uh, have poor weapon handling skills. Um, there's a variety of other uh, skills and um, there's actually careers. So you pick what your survivor was before uh, the apocalypse came and hit and you play as that character. Okay, cool. Uh, so good. of course, also need this for anybody that wants to go buy it at some point. Uh, what platforms... Are you going to be on? We're currently going to be uh, launching on to Steam Early Access. In um, we're hoping for the first quarter of 2019. Actually, we're hoping to uh, get it on Steam pretty quickly. If you want to play before that and experience all of the pain of uh, having us <laughs> deliver that uh, initial test, and if you really want to help us out and you want to support the project, then you can also. Uh, back us right now via indiegogo and there's a few exclusives on there that you will be able to get on steam so 
Oh, okay. Hang on. Well, let's yeah. <laughs> let's let's sell yourself. Let's help you. What are the exclusives? Well, um, even our most basic packages provide additional things that aren't um, provided in the actual full release of the game. So, like an easy to download soundtrack, if you just want to um, listening, uh, if you just want to listen into some, uh, you know, depressing background music that will be in the game, <laughs> then yes, this is probably you know the slightly better option for you. There's also um, a desktop background pack, and we aim to actually make those uh, you know good to look at. Um, some of our earlier backers, uh, every single one of them uh, has got a unique shoulder pad um, that they can wear in the game, and that gives them just a slight uh, bonus, but it does add a Mad Max flair. So if you want to pretend that you're Mad Max, then, well, you know, you got lucky if you backed back then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I love it. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about you as well. I want to hear more background than just your username. Um, so how how the hell did you get to the point where you're making a really ambitious zombie survival roguelike game. Well, Dead Matter has a very long history. Um, it used to be a Crisis 2 mod, actually. And a lot of the reason why I got into developing um, some of these ambitious projects is because I saw it as almost a challenge. And I wanted to see like what the actual process of attempting to make something like this would actually look like. And um, Dead Matter was also, um, I was working on more or less a sequel to the mod or a recreation of it on uh, Unity at one point. And then Unreal Engine 4 came out. So, well, I had to jump on that. But essentially, um, I guess trying over and over again to kind of try and make the perfect zombie game is what eventually brought myself to dead matter and um after there was dead matter mod i really got into modding for a game called gary's mod and i managed to put out a fairly ambitious project for that and i actually ended up wrapping it up so um there's a lot of ported content in it which is why i usually don't show it off too much um but uh essentially just i've kind of been growing um, my modding skills to more or less eventually come back and I wanted to do dead matter. I wanted to do it again. I wanted to make it a game. And, uh, some of the talent that I was working with, with Gary's mod, uh, I don't know if you guys actually know this, but, uh, the person that made all of our weapon meshes, he learned to make them for dead matter. He wasn't trained outside of that. And then, wow. um, yeah. So if you look at, uh, I think the FAL is a really good example and it's on our website right now. Cause we just redid, our gallery so you can actually view all the weapons in the game right now and uh some of the, his later works um are just absolutely fantastic so i i felt like i had the uh i had the people behind me i felt like my uh my personal programming skills were up to the test and that's why we decided to move forward so okay uh and so 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 how did you get in in the, in the gaming design i guess we're going to go reverse order how did you get to even want to do a crisis mod um well this was like 16 14 years ago but i was really uh i really like to use this program called uh uh try not to laugh it was called uh, fps creator <laughs> <laughs> and you got to drag around like these little prefab uh corridors and hallways and stuff like that so that's how i initially like, I think I was 
maybe 10 years old when I had that stuff running on like um, my my dad's computer, which he hated me for doing that <laughs> and um, kind of trying to experiment and just slowly grow that way is pretty much how I've been uh, mainly approaching uh, the world of game design. Okay. And, and oh, I, go ahead. And then I eventually jumped to the source engine and then uh, to the to uh, cry engine when that came out and then back to source once left for dead. I think once left for dead one or two came out, I came back to source modding for good. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, did you, cause I, I know I had a, a similar kind of a situation with Starcraft two maps. I liked making those in the editor. And yeah. uh, did you also get blamed for any amount of slowdown uh, that you were installing viruses on the on the family computer like I did for that? Yes, yes. It was always, there was something that I did. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Baby Boomers one time. Um, so, uh, so why, why, a why, why a zombie game? Like, did you grow up also on zombie movies or? Uh, I, yeah, I've watched a lot of zombie movies. I really, really loved the first season of the walking dead. I think the first season of the walking dead, um, was just really good, especially compared to the other seasons. And, uh, I feel that there's a, been a lot of attempts, but I feel that nobody has hit that secret sauce formula for making a good zombie survival game and i wanted to try my hand at it because i felt that i had the skills to make something like that a reality and um i i think also uh a lot of games that become survival games almost seem confused um there's a few zombie survival games on steam that have not even had zombies in them for certain extended periods in their development and I think that a zombie survival game should be about having to survive the hordes of pissed off undead, not uh, surviving against uh, not having to constantly uh, do a PVP battle just as your only source of entertainment. Never felt fun to me. Okay. So, so this game is a little bit more PVE than PVP. It's a little more PVE than PVP than PVP is what I was trying to get across. Not, I, I don't want people to, kill each other is their only source of entertainment i don't want that <laughs> okay okay yeah cool i can dig it so you don't just um d- you know design and make the game you also are the head of the social media aspect right yes all right so i'm looking at your guys account right now for a new game that hasn't even fully relaunched yet it's already at about 7500 twitter followers uh which i think you should be proud of that's a pretty good job <laughs> there so um what is your approach to running and, and building up some awareness about this, uh, you know, um, this game through social media uh, for anybody that is maybe looking at trying to do that for themselves, um, either on like a like as a streamer, as an influencer, or if you are a game dev, having to listen to this, what tips do you have for them? Um, it's very difficult. The plan for how Dead Matter was launched was not solely conceived by me but generally i guess what i could realistically talk about is how dead matter sort of got to where it was especially from where we started um i think a large part of it is making sure that when you have that kickstarter video everything has to look relatively good everything like it has to actually impress people it has to make people go 
I like that. But I think that if there's also an element of imperfection, like a very slight imperfection, kind of like, you know, maybe 90% of it or so is perfect, but like 10% of it kind of isn't, then I think it actually generates a lot of discussion. And I think that is what helps uh, really propel um, a lot of these viral marketing things, because even someone going, oh, oh, this is so stupid. You know, just having that, he's spreading the idea of your product to the people around him and all of the, um, I guess an example would be someone shares this on Facebook and they go, God damn, not another stupid zombie game. I hate (laughs) zombie games so much. They need to get off my feed. I hate them so much. But they'll have like five or six friends that love zombies and they're like, thanks for linking this. I don't care that you don't like it. I'm backing it now. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's I think that having a, a few elements that people don't like is actually kind of important because then it kind of creates a little bit of friction along the way to having people share it around. Okay. And and do you work then to try to flip those people and say, hey, we're not just another zombie survival game? Because I'm sure you probably have heard plenty of that. Right. Like, just being honest, like, that's fine. (laughs) No, no. A ton of people do say that. (laughs) And uh, generally, the way that we approach that is if there's kind of glaring issues or anything like that, we're very happy to just quickly fix it. And I think one of the things that we really want Dead Matter to have is like a, a, a polished feel. Like when you play it and you look around and your weapon has the right amount of inertia and everything just feels right. I think that adds a lot of value to the game as well. And I think that's what will help it um, as we move forward here, especially into our launch. Like everything that we have so far in the game, out of all the uh, promised features, we have it feeling very good right now, which I'm very proud of. Because there, I, I don't think, um, I don't know if there's any pride in saying that I've probably spent like 100 to 200 hours easily tweaking uh the player controller and how everything actually feels there's a lot of work that has gone into that a lot (laughs) okay uh so other than you know the twitter stuff what other forms of outreach do you think is really important for reaching your average gamer not even the streamers that you want to be playing it we're going to talk about your relationship with them in a little bit but how do you what is your main ways of getting that word out there as well? Is it Facebook? Is it Discord? What are the big ones for you guys? Um, Kickstarter and Indiegogo are actually fairly large platforms for us. So any news updates has to go through those two platforms because they will email all of our supporters. Um, we've got an email uh, that you know goes through uh, those systems as well as for some of the PayPal backers, I believe. And uh, we just try and communicate and reach out as often as possible. And we seem to be getting a pretty decent amount of growth from it. So um, really, I think we're just kind of doing the best that we can. And it seems to be working from our perspective, at least. So we're quite happy with that. Well, it's working from our chat's perspective, too, because they're saying nothing but nice things about you. But I think they really just want to see your face. So that might be part of it. Um, <laughs> um, so with that, though, because we, we did contest on this and this is, you know, a lot of our audience is streamers and there are people that are going to be streaming your game clearly uh, or are interested in doing that. So what is your guys tactic in working with 
uh, content creators, both streamers and YouTubes. Like, how important do you view that in your marketing plan for a game? Uh, and how do you go about finding the right people to really actually work with uh, as opposed to just say, hey, you know, here it is, stream it now? Well, it feels like one of the only worthwhile marketing plans, really. Um, we could spend thousands of dollars on Facebook ads, or we could make the game look bigger and give a key to a streamer. I mean, I really just want to spend money either on game development or, you know, really just getting employees paid. So, like, uh, streamers offer, like, an amazing uh, opportunity for us because we can provide them with a key and... Oftentimes, there's very little cost or no cost to us, and we get, you know, a good kind of ecosystem going, especially with our partner program, where we take it a step further. And if you want to give us direct feedback in order to make the game better, or if your audience really is saying something about the game, or um, a really good example is if uh, we localize the game, what we want to do is have a partner in each region so that let's say in the Portuguese version of the game, something breaks really badly, or there's a curse word that got caught in the translation. We want someone that's able to actually bring that information clearly and consistently to us every time that something like that happens. Okay, so they're functioning also as kind of like a, a mini QA for you yes. yeah. as well. We've essentially kind of got our streamers acting as quality assurance, um, but also an effective form of quality of uh, quality assurance we make sure that those good lines of communication are open we have a private backer discord they can reach out to us and we want to work with these people in order to get the best product possible so that they get the most amount of viewers and that we get you know all those fat sales so that we can keep on making the game okay so i know that you guys do have a partner program um that yeah. that you did and I, it's, I believe, if I remember correctly, uh, full disclosure, the lovely Pauls is one of uh, the partners, uh, and she also happened to be in the next room. So uh, I know that she had applied a while back. So you guys did kind of like a, an open cattle call. I hate that phrase, but it works for people that would be interested, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, you just have to make sure that uh, you try and get the word out there, and there's definitely like a huge community of people that you can tap into for it. Okay, so when you got those applications in, you just get you know X number. How how do you go through sorting who is a partner material, who's not? What are like the red flags that you're looking for? What are like the green flags? I guess the things that like really stand out to you. Yeah, no, there are, there are definitely red and green flags. And uh, after reviewing like hundreds of applications, it's uh, th there's a few things that we look for. Um, we look if they make any toxic posts on social media, anything toxic, like we will automatically deny. We've denied people, you, you know, um, that are massive because of this, because we do not want any like super toxic behavior um, coming back and making its way into dead matter because there's a budding community and we know that a large influx of toxicity could easily just wipe that clean. And so we are looking for someone that has an active channel and can consistently give us um, feedback on uh, what we need feedback for. So we put out a video. We want to know what in that video looks good, what in that video looks bad. Um, and then, of course, they'll be getting earlier access and stuff as well. So um, 
Sorry, I think I've strayed a bit from the actual original question. Um, so so the, the green and red flags, when you're looking at it in Flutter, yeah, you're looking um, at one particular application at a time, what's, what's jumping out at you? Toxic flag. Like I said, toxic behavior, biggest red flag probably. Good and clean gra graphic design, easily one of the biggest green flags. Because if you're willing to put effort into your channel and you're willing to make it look good and you're trying to grow an audience, one of the things that you want to do is have good looking graphic design and if you you know even if it's simplistic as long as they've kind of put some form of effort into it it really really helps um put like an extra leg and everything into the door so okay um and then other than toxic like what are the maybe things that are benign they're not like you're a Hey, you might be a bad person, but you may not be a good fit as a partner. Like, what are those other things that kind of like, uh, I don't know about this person? If we if we open up their channel and it's full of FIFA content, <laughs> then we're less likely to to accept because we don't mind giving them the key. That's that's the whole thing. Like, we don't even care if they're a big player and they just want a key. We'll give it to them. But for the actual partner program where you're supposed to be getting involved, wanting to work with us, wanting to help, you know, promote and test the game, then there are a few commitments that you're making on top of just having to play the game with the key that we give you. So, like I said, if, the, if we open up a channel and it's full of FIFA content and it's just completely unrelated, that is something that will cause us to go, you're just not a right fit for us. Okay. Um, and... So beyond the, you know, like, hey, your, your channel looks good, you know, you have a growing community or anything like that, what is something that I can do as somebody that's applying for something like this to really stand out? Uh, or when I'm in one of these programs, what are the things that I can do that really impresses a developer that might bring across that extra opportunity to work with you further or something? Having a good attitude, mm -hmm. you know, being relaxed and sociable that's a really uh that's one that we'd kind of like to get involved with like if you just um kind of portray yourself as an easygoing easy to work with person then that's definitely a big sign for us and uh we just try to get a feel for everyone just by watching some of their content and um i i guess the the reason why i'm having a bit of a hard time actually answering this question <laughs> is you kind of go off gut feeling after reviewing like yeah 800 applications or so you just kind of go off gut feeling because you kind of you know all the little red flags and green flags in your head can kind of fight it out and... Tr trust me as someone who has spent literal uh weeks at a time just combing through various switch channels i 100 percent understand <laughs> what yeah, that yeah. intuition becomes like um but i think this kind of stuff is really helpful because one of the things that you know I, we, we see a lot uh is is questioning like how to network with game developers, uh, you know, and how to get in contact with them, how to approach them, uh, you know, things like that. So with that, are, are applications open for your particular uh, partner program still? Mm, yes, they're always open. They're just ongoing and we review them periodically. So you won't get an instant answer or you might if you apply on the day that we review them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so just be, be lucky, have good timing there. Uh, and let's say, I'm one of those people that uh, I'm not a toxic person. You just maybe thought maybe I'm not the right fit or whatever it is. So you're like, hey, thank you for applying. But, you know, right now it's not going to be whatever. What is a good way that maybe I can 
come back and say, hey, uh, you know, here's what I'm thinking. You know, what's a good way to essentially be a re-engage that can maybe catch your guys' attention without being No, it, it would just be reapply at that point, and we will still review it. I will still go to the channel, and there are a couple people that have actually cleaned their channel up, added a few extra bits of paint to it, and you know, they gained a bigger following, and I just said, all right, well, you've clearly like doubled your following, so you know, let's just keep this going for you. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, and anything else about your guys' partner program that you think has made it maybe more successful than other ones? Like any advice on how to do this for another game developer that's not making a game that's in competition with you so that you can actually give them good advice? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd still give... I, I know, I'm obviously, <laughs> I'm joking. We're not that competitive here. <laughs> um... I would say let the twi- let some Twitch streamers come to you first. That's always kind of important. Like you want to have some amount of Twitch streamers reaching out to you before you put out that call so that you know that the demand is there for the program that you're creating. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, that, that's I, I, I think that waiting for people to kind of reach out to you is the time that you want to turn it around and turn it into roll call. Okay, cool. Now, what is your guys' tactic on actually using these platforms? So you're going to be using Twitch streamers and YouTubers and, and, and whatever else. What is your tactic from a company standpoint of actually using these platforms to increase that engagement, increase that connectivity? You see developers like Digital Extremes who make Warframe do like weekly development streams on Twitch. You see them constantly in various different channels just saying hello or whatever. Do you guys have a similar plan? Do you think that's important at all? What are your thoughts there? Um, we're certainly not the size of uh, DE, yes. so um, <laughs> that's a lot more difficult. But uh, I'm pretty sure that myself and a few others on the team would definitely be popping around on Twitch and looking at people that are playing the game, uh, coming in, answering questions, and just engaging with people uh, when things pop up. We're happy to be on the website and kind of you know, watch people enjoy our product. And I guess our biggest goal right now is get the game into streamers' hands and then make the game good. That's that's all we really care about. So mm. as long as you guys help us to get there, then we're happy to carry it all the way through. Awesome. Those are my main questions. I know, JT, you have at least one you had ready, plus whatever others you probably have come up with. Yeah, I'm, I'm always just kind of chilling here listening to the conversation. Um, I, uh, I, I tend to look at things through a business and marketing lens. Uh, and so a lot of my, my questions revolve around that. And so you guys um, have had, right, past tense, a Kickstarter and have currently an Indiegogo, right? It's an Indiegogo in-demand campaign, so people simply back us, um, and then it, it's just it, it's basically like the equivalent of pre-ordering the package or something like that. But they are still backing us through their in-demand program. So, gotcha. And um, so you guys are what four hundred and seventy-six percent funded or something like that, right? Like you raised. Uh, two hundred and thirty some odd thousand dollars. Um, I don't know if those numbers are exactly right, but maybe that seems right or wrong. Um, 
and so that, I mean, it, by, by all marks, that's a successful campaign, right? Yeah. And so I see all the time on Kickstarter and Indiegogo, people wanting to make games, sometimes even legitimate developers, you know, trying to make games, not get funded, all that kind of stuff. What, what do you think helped you make it over that hump? Um, was it just grind? Was it what you're offering? Was it your social media presence? What, or, you know, your, your mod, uh, modding community connections. What, what helped with that? Um, a lot of grind. I, I think that we pretty much everyone involved with the project has grinded mercilessly for this project. And, uh, you know, we, we don't really take weekends off either. So, um, we, we're just trying to build the product up and, uh, make it the best that we can. And then we believe that that is 50% of the battle right there. And then gotcha. the other half is getting it into the hands of consumers, getting it, uh, getting the word spread and uh, making people know that this is our game and we want people to play it. Gotcha. And, and you said something interesting there too, which is we, um, I was kind of curious. I, w- I was looking, you know, I was kind of picking around in your discord and, uh, looking at all your stuff, how many uh, how many developers do you have? Are they all developers? Do you have marketing people? Like, what's the team look like behind Dead Matter? Okay, so let me get up the Discord just so I can make sure that I've got the right numbers for everything. But it's all relatively small. We don't have anyone sitting on marketing or social media or anything like that. If there's any marketing social media thing, it was either Dusty who has departed the company, I think, in the spring, um, just for personal reasons. And then uh, it was either him or myself, and now it's just all myself. So pretty much, and and he was also the weapons guy, so we were actual kind of developers on the project. Um, And then there's website staff and uh, community representatives that only kind of act within the Discord itself. Mm -hmm. So... um, our staff consists of eight developers, but five of those are contractors, um, and they kind of handle either websites or uh, we've got um, one. Our animator is very involved with the game, so he could almost be considered on the core team. Just but he is also a contractor, so he's not. And then we have Dogtooth CG that's doing all the character meshes and. Uh, absolute fantastic job from him so far and uh and then we've got the core team which is myself i handle the programming social media um pretty much everything to do with the management side of things i even do well i even had to get all the taxes and stuff sorted for the company so i pretty much <laughs> do all that and uh and then uh shirk and nomad are both environment and 3d artists so they do a lot of uh the world building and um i've also got a background uh in modding with uh level design i have like a few thousand hours or something like that in uh source sdk so gotcha yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh i was probably yeah so so the thing that led to that question that's that's the reason i thought that i wouldn't necessarily find an easy answer because i'd like to try to look up as much as i can as i was looking in the discord and you have uh uh, roles for game developers and i think there are three people online and i realized with discord people could be on or offline or whatever and then you had three website uh, people, and I was like, well, I feel like for a game, you, you shouldn't have as many people as website people. So I was kind of curious how big 
uh, of a family that you have behind this that that's really you know kind of bringing it uh, to fruition, and and it, and that's good to hear. So you, you, uh, final number there, you you rattled off a bunch of names. Was was about eight people working on this game? It, it's eight people working on the game, and we, I think we have three working on the website. And the reason why it's three for working on the website is because there's one guy in charge of QISoftware.ca, there's another guy in charge of PlaydeadMatter.com, and then there's a third guy in charge of the forums themselves. So if the forums are down, I talk to a different person than I would if the front page of the website is down. Gotcha. And and so that, that's a good segue into my, my next question, which is, so QI, right? Um, in my head, I was saying that as key for a while. Uh, in, eventually, in one of your videos, I heard you actually say it out loud. Um, is this the only game or product even that, that QI has? Yep. Gotcha. Do you, do you intend to um, expand on that in any way, different types of games or sequels or anything like that? I realize that's that's one of those, hey, what are you going to do in 10 years kind of questions. Um, but, uh, you know, why why break that out, you know, as its own thing? No, I, I think that's a fair question to ask. And, you know, in 10 years, I'd like to see the company continue to making more products, more games, and uh, just expanding and trying to create as much good content as we can as mm-hmm. a group. Gotcha. And, um, and so... As far as the game itself goes, um, you know, you guys, you guys touched on this a lot. There's a lot of zombie games and, and all that kind of stuff. You have some interestingly uh, unique stuff. Uh, my my ears kind of perked up when I saw the vehicle modding. I can't say that I've seen that anywhere in another game like that. Like maybe like Mad Max or something like that, but nothing in a in a survival game like this. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. Also, your uh, the idea of trailers came from. Uh, one of your your backers or one of your Discord people, right? Is that is that how that happened? Yeah, we had it suggested to us uh, during the Kickstarter campaign. Why don't you add towable trailers? And um, eventually we moved over to a physics-based uh, vehicle system and towing trailers became very easy to pull off. So we now have towable trailers in Dead Matter. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. And so like mechanically, how does... like? How does that affect the game? Like, um, like obviously, so I guess fuel is a big deal, right? Yes. And and so now you you are towing this 500 gallon trailer or whatever it is of fuel, and now you have a mobile base. Is that how that works? Yep. You can tow the fuel, and you can use it. Or uh, worst case scenario, you can use it to, you know, like we did in the trailer, drop it off and then shoot it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and blow it up, kill yeah. all the zombies. Yeah, you could use it like that as pretty much a giant escape fuck-off weapon. You'd probably just, you know, there, I've used the one word. There's, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's our one time, no more. One, one swear for PG-13. You know what, I, I think dropping gas tanks and blowing them up, that's a good use of it. We'll take it. Yeah, it's totally reasonable. And, um, well, it's it's generators will consume fuel. So if you take over a large location, like you take over a grocery store, um, you're going to need more power to run the place, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and you can okay. tow a very large generator using the vehicles. So you can tow a large generator that burns fuel more efficiently, and then you can also burn a mini stockpile of fuel to use in the said generator, which will essentially allow you to stay afloat for quite a while or not very long, depending on what location you've taken over, how much electricity is being used. 
Gotcha. And and so like my first question, so my background is as a programmer. Uh, and so I'm like kind of always interested in mechanics and how they work and all that stuff. And when I saw the trailer system and kind of the physics-based vehicle system, uh, the first thought I had is, can you have trailers on trailers? <laughs> um, theoretically, yes. Um, theoretically the problem is that physics is a very it's kind of a shitty system it's also non-deterministic so that causes networking issues so mostly yes but in practicality no <laughs> i was I, I was like i had this vision of like okay so as as a guy that that likes to break games um playing in it the first thing i would do is try to get a, a tower trailer and put a thing on that and the trailer on the thing i'm towing it would be a tower trailer and then put a thing you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. i feel like that that's where we break it right i think he's asking i think he's asking you not to do that please <laughs> <laughs> uh i think i don't know I, I feel like amongst uh engineers we're going through this a lot with the the bottle spark um kind of influencer dashboard right now like like people are always giving me feedback and stuff um believe it or not i like and maybe this is a personal view and and, and i hope you feel the same way uh, negative feedback or critical feedback like that, or or like when people break things, I find infinitely more useful than oh yeah, this is good man, good job. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm I don't really care what the source of criticism is or if it's positive or negative. I just want it fixed at the end of the day. Yeah, and uh, I I was at a uh, what where was I? I think I was at PAX East or something like that. And we were demoing five hundred five games, uh, Memories of Mars. And the devs were there, and they were like, "There's no skybox." And we're like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna test that." Um, and we broke again. We took, crashed the whole thing, corrupted the save file, etc. But they were able to fix it within like a day or two. <laughs> I, I enjoyed. Did I show them how you did it then? Uh, oh yeah, right. <laughs> the the best feedback ever is I broke it. I don't know how. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have fun fixing that. Um, so yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, the, the, I, I thought it was really cool. Like as I was going through the YouTube videos and everything, like, and, and of course my, um, uh, my exposure, I guess is the word, uh, to the whole thing is, is relatively limited and, and I'm super jazzed. I really, really like seven days to die. Um, the utter lack of vehicles in that game is, is frustrating. Uh, and I'm, I'm super excited that you guys are doing like a, a much more expansive thing. And it's based in Alberta. I'm uh, almost honorary Canadian. Uh, <laughs> I, I grew up in Alaska and Vermont, both both bordering states um, that oftentimes get confused with Canada. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys have the same thing there that we did in Alaska, where we call uh, everybody in the lower 48 states uh, south of the wall. <laughs> it's a thing. Uh, and and so I, I was pretty pretty jazzed to see that it's in Alberta. Uh, and, uh, I, my next immediate thought was, do you intend to, cause you said rogue light, do you intend to do any sort of random generation or anything like that? Like, you know, on the same, like kind of 20 kilometer by 20 kilometer scale. Yeah. Um, there's a few ideas that we're working towards implementing. Um, there was one that we're going to try out just to see like how the random spawning and, geometry changes of stuff that would normally be static geometry actually ends up working and uh 
there's quite a few ways to go around it. So I'm pretty sure that we will be getting this in by alpha, but uh, we wanted to make it so certain gas stations would be out of fuel, but certain other ones may randomly be out of fuel or not. So you don't know, you know, if you join a different server, you approach a gas station that may have had fuel on the server you were just on, but no cigar on this one. So you can't just reuse the good locations. You have to constantly seek out different areas of the map. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that that massively increases replayability too. Um, you know, you look at Seven Days to Die. There, they have their original map. I forget. I don't don't even remember how to pronounce it. Um, but like people are like almost speed running those maps at some point, right? Um, but then you do what like Halls does, right? One of your partners, where she would play on like the hardest difficulty with all the sliders slid all the way up on random maps with no idea what's going on. Nava's game. You can type it all day. I just can't pronounce it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, yeah, the the procedurally generated stuff seems really, really interesting. Um, and something I, I didn't uh, have a chance to catch uh, or not is uh, whether or not you guys are doing any sort of, like, mass destructibility or, um, like, like, terrain modification or anything like that. No, there won't be any terrain modification in Dead Matter. Um, if anything, there would probably be snow deformation, but we don't have a word on when that'll be in or if that'll be in. Right. And you're, you're also going to have um, seasons and weather and all that kind of fun stuff, right? So you're toying with the fun. idea. Of, yeah. <laughs> fun. You should tell that to the guy that has to calibrate all the colors so they don't look weird at different times of year. <laughs> <laughs> I think that took Shirk like, oh my, like over a month for sure. It It must have taken him just ages because nailing that season transition is actually really difficult and um the way that we actually have this uh transition goes there's a date and time on the uh, sun system because it's actually realistic to real life um so if the game is sped up um it'll probably be time sped up and then the days will probably skip but it actually has to have um it actually has to skip for a certain reason but essentially um when it's the fall, the uh, the sun will actually rise and lower at different times of day. So in the summer, the days are very, very long. But in the winter, they're very short and night is just brutal and dead matter. We're putting emphasis on a cold winter every winter. We want it to be freezing. We want it to be difficult to survive. That is the hardest. That is when the game is at its absolute hardest is in winter. It's a lot like um, uh, Don't Starve, right? Uh, that game gets massively hard in the wintertime. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, coming from winter states, uh, I, I, I think that if the real apocalypse happens, that's uh, that's going to be the thing. Uh, winter is going to that's that's going to kill more people than zombies. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and and I saw something somewhere. It might have been in the Discord or something. Somebody is playing around with the idea of like uh, uh, forest fires or something like that too, right? Yeah. Uh, um, that was kind of an event thing that we were messing around with, and. Uh... Basically, we've shelved it to the point where we want forest fires to be an occasional event that can happen, but we need to see how to pull them off properly outside of a demonstration slash, you know, concept sort of view. Because a lot of the green light stuff was conceptual uh, in itself. I mean, none of the code from the green light is even in the game anymore. None of the levels are, they all got scrapped ages ago. So, um, when it comes to forest fires, we plan on eventually making that just an event that'll happen 
and uh, kind of tie it into the metagame and just use it as a way to bring more flavor to the game. Yeah, that's uh, and so uh, arguably you can't have a campfire that accidentally uh, a a forest fire is kind of what you're getting at there too. I really wish. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, that one time uh, I saw a tweet from Notch about Minecraft when he like they had volumetric water in Minecraft for like 45 minutes and he was like, no, f this, I'm out. <laughs> um, and, and I and I get that those challenges are really tough. Um, to do um, so there's, I mean for the most part those are my nerdy questions about the game I'm I'm super interested in it I love games like this um, you know uh, I, I would say that like as I was getting into Twitch Minecraft was a thing and I really got into 7 Days to Die and right now I'm like literally in my current streams I'm treating Fallout 4 like, like a survival game just playing around in settlement builders and stuff do you remember um, do you remember when 7 Days to Die was first on Kickstarter uh, I don't know if I remember that. I remember it was real bad early on. Um, and then they, they massively made it better. Um, do I remember the Kickstarter? That would have been like, what, five years ago? Five, six years ago, yeah. Um, I don't remember the Kickstarter campaign myself. Curious if you have a, a follow-up question to that that I might remember. No, I was just, because I feel like there was almost a point in time where a ton of games kind of went through Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And do you feel that uh, that might be coming to kind of maybe going in a different direction? Do you think the standards and stuff have gone up? Do you think that people expect more when they look at those sorts of things? Like, I'm just kind of curious because I don't know what the answer to this myself is. And I kind of want to hear what other people have to say. I think that, so personally, I think that with stuff like Indiegogo and, and, and Kickstarter, it's it's a really big question of expectation setting. Um, and so, like one, of, I think one of the first things to realize is that those platforms are the like most successful campaigns are predominantly running their campaign like pre-sales, right? Which is a lot like what you've done. Yes. And and so, um, as far as polish goes, I would say that you you know your price point should match your your quality right uh you're probably not making you know the next black ops in terms of of user interaction and that kind of stuff and that would um you know and that that becomes reflected in in kind of your tiers or your 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 backers or or the pricing of of those pre-sales and uh i've oftentimes talked about like it would be really cool to start a game review site uh that didn't give games a rating from one to ten they just gave games are rating in dollars like i would pay x dollars for this game um and as a good example for like seven days to die i don't even remember what that cost was it 30 bucks i think it was 30 bucks um and i'm afraid to open steam and look at it but i have thousands maybe not thousands of hours i know halls has thousands of hours right um so you look at the cost per hour for entertainment value there and i think that it's wild <laughs> right. Yeah, um, there's I have 7000 hours on Gary's mod so I'd probably Right. Mm-hmm. And and so like I don't know, I feel like like a reasonable number of hours to get out of a game for uh, like a dollar would be like maybe 5, right? So like a $30 game you get 150 hours out of it. Anything after that you're on like you're up to up in the gravies. Halls has got 843 hours. Um and so 
you know, it really comes down to like your price point versus the quality of the game. And then like, I'm not sure that graphics are necessarily even like the, the big polish that you need. It's really those, those amazing mechanics that you need. There are, there are plenty of eight book games out there. Look at a um, similarly named, right? Dead cells, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an eight bit game. It just feels good. There's a new game that, that came out after seven years of development called cross code uh, that looks like it moves really well. Those are all 8-bit graphic games, so I'm not sure that even graphics are important. Um, I think that new mechanics, unique stuff, like like with the trailer towing that you guys have, like yeah. we haven't even seen that in a AAA game, right? Right, and, right. And so bringing those new mechanics, uh, I think, are what get people excited. And then if those new mechanics have the staying power, you know, whether it's roguelite or, you know, uh, procedural generation or whatever that keeps them playing for hundreds of hours um is a thing like look at halls with 843 hours in seven days to die and then see if anybody else has that in like you know the 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 single player mode of uh of uh like black ops or something like that like triple right. a games aren't getting that um they're dialing up the graphics and and those kind of mechanics and stuff like that but their time is not great but like i can imagine people playing uh, playing Dead Matter for thousands of hours, like people play Seven Days to Die, if you get the mechanics right. Uh, and I, and I, I still, to this day, think that one of the best examples of that is Redstone in Minecraft. Because yeah. when you have like some sort of open-ended, logical system that works well, especially in a program that can feed off of itself, right. that like people invent stuff, right? And And that's why I was asking you about, like, you know, terrain deformation or destructibility or you know um you know if you have some sort of elect like electrical whatever seven days to die just out of that right you see all those cool things and then you get to see people make like you know 64k cell phone units and stuff like that that are really amazing and you end up with those crazy youtube videos i don't know i think that that doesn't what and we're getting jt's vermont internet Oh no! Yeah, I don't know why he insists on ever being in that forbidden state. Um, so, if, nope. Just please stop. Your robot. Early access. Oh nope. Still robot. Still horrible. Anyway, yeah, uh, it's Vermont Internet. We're gonna go ahead and uh, let him stop ranting about that kind of a thing now. Um, Amanda, I think we do have a fair amount of questions about a ton. Uh, yeah, that you. you I think you might have opened up a small can of worms. Jack. Well, he brought the community and they had a great <laughs> question. So, um, Johnny, anything you can't answer, just say pass. Um, chat, there are some things he may not be able to answer because reasons. So, uh, we'll start with the first question. The first two are from Grumbo Nunavut. If I mispronounce your name, I am sorry. Uh, he wants to know, or she, they want to know more about kind of how snowstorms are going to work in the game. Are you going to go the full on out lizard type thing? They will have varying strength. Uh, I believe rain, the particles themselves have different strength levels. And then there's also uh, kind of the foggy time of day effects as well. That has a different strength level. So uh, it can be fairly light or it can be pretty damn heavy. So, All right. Uh, next question they have are um, trains. They said that you are planning trains. How are those going to work? Is it going to be a at release or something introduced later in the game? 
Um, on our early access release, we're currently not planning to have any sort of trains right now, just because uh, they're going to require quite a bit of setup, especially just getting all of the uh, tracks laid, getting them all hooked up and that sort of thing. But our end vision for them is uh, you would essentially have a locomotive towing a train car or two, and you could use that as a portable base. It's probably not viable in multiplayer in any way. I don't even know if it's going to be enabled in that environment. It probably will be because we like keeping things like that open and having a roving trader on a map would be the absolute coolest thing ever. So um, they're to be implemented and really um, any time estimates on that. We just we couldn't give an accurate one right now, even if we wanted. So we'll probably have to pass on that. All right. The Real McCoy has uh, a few questions here, so we'll go over them. First couple have to do with partners, so like becoming a partner. Does being a multi-platform platform creator limit your partner opportunity? No. Okay. Uh, do you allow some creators to stage or help with the load as an internship for the media side is what he's asking for specifically. Um, we currently, I don't think we've ever had anyone really work for us for free. So, um Honestly, if they're wanting to help out, then we're willing to take the help that we get, I guess. So, all right. And I don't know. I'll still really put that. And then another question uh, this is about early access. Is building fortifying going to be in on Caster Early Play? Uh, we plan fortifying and taking over structures to be in for the uh, alpha tests that we'll be doing. Uh, we really, really emphasize the, necess bleh, the necessity of these mechanics. It's very important that you're able to barricade and uh, actually take over and progress. We, if, if there's no progression, there's no game. We would rather delay than not have those features in. All right, and is there any, are there any plans to release to partners soon or still kind of waiting for that? Uh, the date for that has already been announced. It was November 14th, and that's uh, just a month or so away at this point. Not yeah, really. A yeah, a month and a half or two. All right. Well, there's your guys' date. Um, this one's kind of more about the, I guess, company you guys are creating, but are there any direct competitors you have right now and are you guys planning to create a studio or just kind of focus, focusing on dead matter with hopes of ambition and seeing where it goes um i don't i don't, I don't think our competitors are really you we're, we're kind of bringing a zombie survival game to a market where the top sellers are you know call of duty and stalker pripyat so i mean we're kind of walking into a market that wants a game like this very badly but i don't think that there really is one that uh, like there's no game i think that delivers a dead matter experience and i think that until there is a competitor that can viably show that they have something that can compete compete with our experience that we're kind of running into the genre just without anyone kind of standing there i mean uh just even looking at like the top sellers on steam there's not really a lot of zombie stuff going on right now which is good so all right final question from the mirror of mccoy we have more questions though don't worry um who are the original members of the team um the was and steve of dead matter who created the idea and how did it start from there 
it had to be an idea before you guys kind of got the Kickstarter and Indiegogo going, obviously, but kind of how did it start and who were the original members? Um, the original members are uh, myself, um, Dusty, uh, and uh, Yad, Yada, and um, Chaos as well. And then uh, I guess there would also be two other people that we had kind of doing concept art and stuff for us as well. Um, although I don't know how they'd feel about me mentioning them because they've been on contract for this all. So um, basically we've kind of had like a small team that we started out with and those are the people that were on it. I kind of forgot the other half of the question. So I'm just sort of bullshitting now, but uh, uh, how, how did it start from there like there had to be ideas before you guys decided to launch the kickstarter so i guess origin story um origin story is we were playing a lot of daisy and h1 and we kept getting frustrated because we wanted to play a game that had large amounts of zombies that if you shot a gun you'd have like 20 zombies running at you and you'd have to act fast otherwise you get pulled into a death vortex and killed and we just we really had a craving for a zombie survival game that had zombies kind of running around in it that actually had more of a focus on PVP instead of PVE. And, uh, and we also think that a lot of mechanics that have been implemented into these games, like, uh, the fake third person for first person stuff, like how, uh, I think how Arma handles is like really just, I'm not a huge fan of it, and I think that how our system, which is more of a middle ground, but it's still probably leaning a little bit towards the arcade side, I think that uh, giving an, an immersive experience and having that reflected in the movement by having responsive movement that still makes you feel like you are that character um, is very important for pulling off a game like this. And we just felt like there was so much wrong being done, and we kind of just wanted to you know, hey, let's get the shock paddles out and revive Dead Matter and see how well it can do against all these other titles. All right. Well, we'll switch gears a little bit. Um, Lots Airs asks, will Lake Louise be in the game? Um, I believe so. It probably doesn't fit geographically on the map, but we're probably going to transplant it like we're transplanting Banff in the future. So, All right. Uh, Clay Breeze Fork. Uh, how's the medical system working in this game? Is it kind of like the traditional go- zombie games we've seen? Are you guys revamping it? What's what can you um, tell us about that? We are revamping it right now, so not a lot to be said. But the intended outcome is uh, tiered injuries, so there will be different kinds of bleeding, and they will be applied to different parts of your body, and you have to treat. Uh, each individual injury that you have. And if you neglect treating them, then your max HP starts to slowly decay because you can generate your uh, hit points back um, within about five, 10 minutes of waiting and making sure that your character is in good health. But the maximum amount of HP that you can generate back is based on your character's health. So there's, and it's, there's also the injuries taken into account as well. So if you're highly injured and you're also starving to death and you're dying of thirst, then you're not going to uh, recover those hit points nearly as fast as you would otherwise. 
All right. We have some questions from Defiant Reaper. Um, the first one, so early access games and crowdfunding games with like Kickstarter or Indiegogo kind of have some bad raps because some of them don't take off or the early access is really bad. Yeah. Did you guys have fears about this going into it? Yeah. And that's why we delayed. Because we saw what happened to Survive the Nights. It was a true alpha. And I don't know how after five years, but uh, it was a true alpha. And uh, you know, they they got munched and we were probably going to release a game in a similar state if we if we went and just released what we had in February and we sat down and we thought, let's just put a hell of a lot more, you know, elbow grease into the game, try and get it out still this year and uh, just absolutely turn everything around, minimize the amount of third party assets in the game so that the quality is a lot higher and uh generally like a lot of stuff just kind of shifted after that delay and that's the and that's what we have now now we have um you know semi-consistent dev logs and uh we're trying to cover like all of the progress that's being done on the game and we're just you know we're, we're just showing people what we work on and you know it seems to be sticking a lot of people seem to actually be liking what we're putting out so and it's a good motivation to have <laughs> Nice. Um, the amount of zombies, because they're seeing some of your videos, it looks like there are hordes. Is this something that could cause lag? Have you kind of thought about this? Um, the zombies are networked and kind of simulated in a unique way where um, they're, they're pseudo peer to peer, if that makes sense. So clients do a lot of the simulation of the zombies and yes we are very aware of how open this leaves the game to potential uh cheating and exploiting which is something that we'll have to target completely separately because um we want to make sure that we can have 50 60 70 80 100 zombies a person and not completely bring their the server itself to to its knees so um that's kind of a middle ground sacrifice thing that we've made and um hopefully we can get an anti-cheat solution in before it ever becomes a problem. So that kind of led to my Generally, next question. About sorry. <laughs> systems. So it sounds like that's something you guys are implementing <laughs> into. Uh, anti-cheat systems work best when they are third party anti-cheats that are well known and are robust. Our game is designed to be fairly robust against cheating regardless. Uh, for example, uh, the player versus player, um, all of the hit detection is ran on the server. So you cannot kill another person by just teleporting next to them and, you know, running some, executing some code that applies like 100 damage to them and you can't just kill anyone instantly. You cannot do that. All weapons and dead matter, when you're targeting other players, uh, all of that is simulated all on the server to make it um, just a slightly more resilient against cheating um, the zombies aren't the same way because they are simulated completely differently. And while it does sound wonky, I there is there's a lot of smoothing on them, and a lot of their movement and stuff is quite heavily smoothed out. So um, it works extremely well. I think we've had 800 zombies on a test map with about 12 people on it. And while we didn't view all of the zombies on one time, I think there was like two, three hundred on my screen at one point, and it was crawling down in FPS. Um, which is really to be expected, but it did hold. And we think that 
you know, if it, as long as we can make kind of, you know, 50 to 60 zombies scary, then um, we've kind of done our job. But the system can be pushed even further uh, than what we'd ideally have, like a soft hard limit at, for example. All right. Uh, question about kind of some in-game mechanics. Plural uh, V2, again, I'm sorry for butchering your name. Can we spray paint our guns? And if so, can you also spray paint things in the environment, such as like walls, signs, that kind of thing? Uh, we plan on making it so that you can spray paint your weapon. Currently, we have to migrate our weapon material over to a different base in order to do that. But once that's complete, uh, yes, you will be able to uh, customize and personalize your weapons to your heart's content. Um, it's a huge part of Dead Matter. If you want to have like a pink M4, sure, cool. That's you to you. <laughs> All right, couple last questions here, real quick. Um, Clay Breeze 4 asks, damage models look like damage dealt by weapons and things like that. Is that something you guys already have? Are you still working out what the hit points are going to be? Our damage model um, is basically just a spreadsheet in Excel. And every tier of weapon, the damage gets slowly kind of increased. And uh, it, weapons... Uh, like, the maximum damage that a weapon does per shot is uh, separated. So if it travels through um, your left and right arm and then through your stomach, the actual amount of damage to your hit points is limited, but the injuries are not. So um, there's kind of a lot of uh, nuance kind of behind how the hit point system works. There's also like a huge consideration taken in uh, for bullet velocity and how fast the bullet is traveling all of that influences how much damage is dealt at the end of the day all right it looks like there was a question in chat max player cap per server and it kind of got an answer thinking 60 to 80 at full release would you agree at full release absolutely for our early alpha it won't be that and with a map size that's also limited for the early alpha really unrealistic to want it to be higher just because there will be so many players concentrated in it just wouldn't end up being a fun experience. It would be very hectic. All right. This one, um, Prime, or sorry, Grumbo Nanava again asks, um, with that snow, will there be like cars that are better at driving than snow? Or will you just kind of get what you get? Will you kind of change that for the season? While they have not been implemented, we will be making it so vehicles travel faster on roads and travel more slowly off-road. And then if the road is snowy, then that also influences how well the vehicle handles on it. It's the apocalypse, so there's no snow plows, so roads will get kind of scary, especially if uh, it gets packed down by multiple vehicles traveling over it. But that's all of that is kind of to be implemented Uh the future and whether or not that'll be in the alpha access is to be determined all right last question that i have it's kind of a two-parter um kermit asked what is the scale of customization options like how many types of items what you can wear and jt also kind of takes that to can you custom colors for clothes and armor so how much customization can we do and any ideas on what that will be we'll be having it so you can dye uh, your clothing different colors and as long as we kind of have a shader set up for that that looks good we will definitely be incorporating that uh, your character can be fully customized um, body type to an extent uh, it won't be anything crazy like scum where you can have like a super fat dude um, 
but there will be body variation. Uh, all of the face flexes are implemented, so you can make your chin longer, you can make your um, eyebrows wider, you can do everything that you would want to your character, and that's for males and females as well. Both of that will be available uh, for the alpha launch. That is, that is completely like we won't launch without that because that's a huge part of dead matter for us. That is massive. So hopefully that answers the question. <laughs> All right. I think that is going to do it. Do you have anything that we didn't cover that you would like to go over briefly? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I kind of just been answering questions here and I don't know what to really, uh, yeah, I think I'm I'm good for now. <laughs> uh, what he Travis? needs to say is what he needs to say is go buy the game when it's out. Oh uh, yeah, I believe that's. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, buy our you. stuff. Yes, go buy it. Go go support them. Go to their website and back them. Uh, just Google Dead Matter and go be involved. Uh, Johnny, dude, thank you so much for taking some time to come chat with us. Uh, I think there's. A lot of both good uh, game information and then some industry information for everybody. So seriously, man, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, and 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 anybody listening, go 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 to Twitter and add him and thank him for me. Just blow up his notifications obnoxiously <laughs> for no reason. Um, Pleasure is mine. Seriously, <laughs> thank you so much, uh, Amanda. What do we have happening next week? Well, yes, I think that wraps us up for tonight. Next week, which is October 3rd, we will be live at 8.30 p.m. Eastern with a performance marketing genius extraordinaire, Angel Jambazo, at twitch.tv backslash bottlespark. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, and we hope to see you next week.